Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Friday Roundtable Show. We record this live at 8.30 a.m. every Friday, Pacific Standard Time. And you can watch this on the WP Tonic Facebook page if you want to watch us live. And um, I've got a great panel. I think it's going to be a lively and really interesting discussion. Um, Chris, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Sure. Thanks, Jonathan. I'm Chris from Lifter LMS, which is a WordPress solution for building, selling, and protecting online courses. And I have a podcast for course creators called LMSCast. It's a great podcast. And Moulton, uh, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Hello. Oh, I'm really blown out. I need to fix that. Uh, I am Morton, uh, Senior Staff Instructor at LinkedIn Learning, and I have opinions. Great. And... Um, <laughs> And Spencer, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? I like Martin's the best. Uh, Spencer Farman from WPLaunchify.com, and I help people build powerful and profitable membership sites with marketing automation. There we go. And um, John, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? Sure thing. My name's John Locke. I'm an SEO practitioner and consultant for manufacturing companies. Right. And Sally? Would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Certainly. My name is Sally Getch. Uh, my business is WP Fangirl. I build custom Genesis sites for growing businesses and nonprofits. And probably my greatest strength as a developer is research. Uh, and uh, like Morton, I have opinions. Plus a cat. Uh, <laughs> I do not have a cat. There we go. You've got the secret weapon. Actually, I think people watch this for Sally's cat, actually. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm uh, he hasn't made an appearance yet this morning. And Spencer's <laughs> promises next week, uh, have his, um, he's got a little puppet, cat puppet. Right. <laughs> and I'm going to blast that all over social media. Uh, um, there we go. Uh, um, and I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We build, support, um, get the content. If you're into learning management systems or membership sites, we can help you out. Um, let's get on to the stories, folks. Oh, but before I do that, I want to quickly talk about my sponsor, my one of my sponsors, and that's Kinsta Hosting. And Kinsta, um, they just specialize in WordPress hosting. I think they're the best at the present moment, the best value with functionality, speed, all the things you look at as a developer or a major user of WordPress. And I think it's the best value, like I say. And um, they provide all the bells and whistles, you know, um, latest version of PHP, staging site, one-click restore, everything you're looking for, you'll find with Kinsta. So if that's interesting, go to the WP Tonic website. Um, there are uh, filler links on all over the WP Tonic site. And you click one of those and you'll get a great deal and you'll also be supporting the show. So on to the first story. And that's um, Sia Baki launches a WordPress-focused growth accelerator fund. Um, I'll start with Spencer. What did you think of that one? 
I saw this before you brought it up for a topic, and I, I think he's one of the really, I don't know, he's much younger than me, but one of the most inspirational guys in the WordPress ecosystem because he's just... Is, is he as good looking? I think he's, you know, he reminds, he reminds me of an actor. He reminds me a little bit of The Rock. But the point is, he's just a big, strong, super nice dude who's doing like, I think he said on a radio or podcast, like 16 different businesses. And just, anyway, there's some people that you just can't help but root for. So I thought this was a great story because I just enjoyed everything that he's done at WP Beginner and otherwise, and plus, you know, the plugin business. But then when I saw this, I'm like, this really makes a lot of sense because there's a lot of people that just have that sort of, you know, you go bootstrap or you got to get money from the customers, but there wasn't any other way for somebody that let's say has a viable business to get some cash in a probably, I'm not sure. It seems like a low friction way. There's a form you fill it out and say like, I need the money. I mean, hello. It just seems like a logical next step because obviously there's some money to be made when a business breaks out. So I'm, I was excited to see it. And Chris, what did you think of this? I think Syed is an innovator, and he's usually kind of ahead of his time a little bit. Uh, For example, his WP Beginner website is the largest WordPress site, you know, and it's kind of been that way in terms of media or news. And I think he's innovating again here ahead of the market as the WordPress market matures, as WordPress companies, agencies, product companies matures. Um, He's been quite successful and looking to, you know, for a successful um, entrepreneur to re- reinvest in other companies. It's a common thing we see outside of the WordPress ecosystem. But to do that inside, he's just kind of leading that charge. I think that's really cool. I also think it's cool how much he's emphasizing it's not really about the money. 100000 to 500000 really isn't that much money. Uh, but it's access to his playbook, his, you know, well, well, if you want to send, fine, you want to send a check yeah. to me, Chris, for a hundred thousand, I'll, I'll I'll take it. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I think he has a lot of good experience and and team and processes that can help a lot of companies out there. Well, it's like right. a white combinator for WordPress, basically. Mm-hmm. What did you think, Moulton? Uh, this is a long time coming. I think this is the first of several. I've seen other companies talk about doing the same thing. So this is, you know. Uh, I, I know for a fact there's at least one other company that's going to do this fairly sur- fairly soon because they were talking about it a couple of months ago. Um, they, I think what they were what they're highlighting in the WP Tavern story this this idea that people don't like it's hard to find money in the WordPress ecosystem because people have a hard time understanding how open source works and why you should invest in these things is a really important point to all this. Um, Open source in general suffers with this, that uh, traditional business model doesn't fit a model where you make open source products. And the only community that really understands open source is open source. So if we want to build bigger companies and build better products, we actually need to invest in our own uh, space. I mean, that's what other spaces do. So we just have to adopt that model. And it's great to see that uh, companies and people that uh, have built uh, successful businesses on their own in the community invest back in the community. And let's not be, you know, this is not charity by any means. This is an investment, right? So the expectation here, of course, is that you put money into something, you get money out of it. Uh, I would not be surprised if we start seeing something even more decentralized than this pop up. Uh, I've been joking for about a year about this idea of making a 
Wapu coin or some sort of WordPress coin. Uh, but the, the, the concept of the community crowdfunding good projects within the community, I think will eventually take form. Um, where you as a person can invest just a little bit of money and then that money gets pooled and given to companies that can then make big profits and then well, send it all back to us. So th- this is the start of something uh, big that will sh- further mature the, uh, our ecosystem, I think. Well, it's already changing actually because um, um, the investment landscape has changed recently because you had to be, I forgot the actual term, but you, you, you had to have over a million dollars in assets before you could invest. And that's recently changed. So syndicates um, now can um, get a group of funding and a person could like put this $5,000 in um, that. And you've seen that um, these type of syndicates, Jason um, from um, This Week in Startup runs one of those type of syndicates. So I see the same thing probably happening in WordPress. What do you think, John? No, I think it's good. Um, I think it's long overdue. Uh, Syed has uh, some cash and he wants to invest it in cash. companies. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's about keeping the ecosystem healthy, I think. Well, it gives you more choices. That means you don't have to sell out to a hosting company, doesn't it? Yeah, and I kind of like that idea because I, I think we're seeing away too much of that. So I think it's good. Yeah. What did you think, Sally? Well, my first thought was, well, he is doing well, isn't he? Um, which, you know, we knew. But uh, uh, then, you know, you, you, look, you look at his bio and it says, you know, uh, yes, runs eight-figure businesses in that. Yeah, so he can certainly afford to do this. But, you know, lots of people who could afford to do these things don't. So it's a, it's a good thing. But, yes, I also, you know, the thing that is, that is not explained in, in this article is so what exactly uh, do they get in return for their investment? It, it doesn't say whether, you know, there's some amount of ownership or they're expecting money back or this is really... Well, I, don't think, I don't think they're going to give a money without equity. No, yeah, well, know. yeah, you, you assume there has to be some kind of, a, some kind of return. Not transfusion, probably, at some stage of the... Uh, uh, expected um, or, uh, you know, implied. But, you know, that is going to be the same with, with pretty much... You know, any any source of your money that that doesn't come back to the you know friends, family, and fools. Um, there it is. Uh, yeah. So uh, you know, there, and I don't think it's going to be sinister in in any way. It's just you know, it, it's not reasonable to expect something for nothing. Uh, but it it would be uh, interesting to to see and and uh you know if if morton is correct that more of this is happening which i'm sure he is then that will also be a good thing to see and uh, you know we want opportunities for businesses to grow in a way that's you know healthy and successful because you know if if your company if your product takes off and then you don't have the cash flow or the the tools to understand how to grow to keep up with that you can get in big trouble Right, on to the next story. Um, Here we go. <laughs> Word, <laughs> Let's Word, keep it civil, people. Right. WordPress, WordPress com boots Sandy Hook conspiracy uh, theory sites, i.e. Alex Jones, Infowars, uh, bans malicious publications and unauthorized images of minors. Um, 
Before we start the conversation, I want to say something personally. Um, I would say, like to say to the parents of the children and other people that died at the Sandy Hook incident that you have my sincere and deepest um, love, empathy. I cannot understand how you bear such a loss and keep going, really. It's outside my mental capacity to understand. And some of the things that have been said about your loss are nauseating to such a level that it goes above above normal decency. I just want to say that personally. Um, I'm going to start with Morton. What did you think of this? Well, to, to discuss this story, it's very important to have a frame of reference to what this is about. So, um, the very short and simplified version of it is um, there were several blogs on WordPress.com, and I say were because they have now been removed, um, that were using photos of a specific child that was murdered at this, in this event um, at Sandy Hook and claiming uh, that this child was an actor, that the parents were in on some sort of giant conspiracy, and that the child was in fact alive and well in Pakistan. Uh, the parent of this child then tried to go to WordPress.com and say, hey, you are using, they, they are using my, a photo of my child who is dead, demonstrably so, uh, to further a conspiracy theory. And people are seeing that and then harassing my family, take it down. Whereupon WordPress said, no, we're not going to take it down because this is free speech and fair use and all sorts of stuff. The parent then tried to sue the owners of the individual sites through WordPress for copyright infringement. And then WordPress, because WordPress, or sorry, WordPress.com under automatic has had this um, very public war with people who are using a DMCA. So digital copyrights, millennial, digital millennial digital copyright millennium act. Copyright yeah. Act. Yeah, so, I, so I've filed they, a few of those myself. <laughs> so that it, it, people have been using that to frivolously charge people to get content taken down, even though it was fair use. And Automatic and WordPress.com has taken a very hardline stance on we don't comply with these types of takedown notices unless there's a very, very, very good reason. So basically never. And with this case, they basically proved that never is the answer to that. Um, and it got to the point where the parent who tried to get WordPress to take it down was told by WordPress by some sort of semi-automated form that if he tried to do that, WordPress would sue him for trying to take a photo of his child. So that is the framework in which this conversation happens. Uh, then New York Times published an article. Can I just quickly say, I want to quickly say, I don't normally, I hope Matt personally finds the contact details of that parent and personally contacts that individual and has a face-to-face conversation with that parent. I hope he, hope he has the decency in his heart of the CEO of that company to do that. So, so the, the, with this in mind, so the response was, New York Times published an article about it, 
Automatic then changed their terms of service to specifically say something about uh, abusive use of photos of minors and then took these sites down. Uh, upon which an in, a huge discussion over whether or not this is censorship, whether or not this is an infringement on freedom of speech, whether WordPress.com can actually do this and still say that therefore democratization of publishing and everything came up. Now, the interesting part about this is, um, and I'll just give you two quotes here before I let someone else talk. Um, in the article uh, that was published by New York Times, um, Someone from Automatic says, um, although the posts reported by Mr. Posner, so the parents, are not violating the, any current user guidelines or copyright law, the company said, so that would be Automatic, the pain uh, that the family has suffered is very real, and if tied to the contents of the sites we host, we want to have policies to address that. So that's someone from Automatic saying that. Then... Just a couple of days earlier, Jack, the CEO of Twitter, said this on Twitter. Um, so he's re responding to someone saying that their way of handling this type of content is very bad. He said, our early values informed our rules. We likely over-rotated on one value and let, that, um, and let the rules react too rapidly to changing circumstances. And then he says, we need to root these values in human rights law and start uh, a starting consideration. So what's happening here, both with Automatic and with Twitter and with Facebook and with all these other sites, is that they're starting to realize that this um, fundamental stance on free speech alone as a principle actually doesn't work because free speech is one of several rights afforded human beings. And when you stand only on free speech, you end up causing a situation where free speech can be used to take other rights away from other people. Um, and in those circumstances, you need to then um, change the way you handle these types of situations. The problem is because these things, like because the these principles are not built into the fabric of these solutions. Instead of looking at the totality of the picture, they end up doing peaceful responses to peaceful um, situations and often uh, react differently to different situations, which causes all these problems. So that's... Yeah, well, fair enough. Um, John, what did you think of this? Well, the, the, the article on the tavern... I think there's some points to be made, but ultimately what this comes down to, and I, if you look at the comments, there's a lot of people that seem to be arguing for uh, for the, the conspiracy theorists, uh, which I find really puzzling because free speech, I think a lot of people have a misinterpretation of it um, as this ideal thing that, that we should always uphold no matter what. There's a lot of people who are defended. They, they say a lot of insightful stuff and they have the right to say that. The, the government doesn't come in and stop them from saying uh, things. People have, uh, you know, protests. Nobody's stopping them. What you don't have the right to do is come onto a corporation's private platform where they have terms of service that uh, allow them to, you know, have whoever they want on their platform and give you a megaphone to where you can broadcast that to the world. Because what's really happening in, in this sort of case is 
there's these bottom feeding uh, people that that want to basically uh, harass and terrorize these parents who had their children taken from them, and come up with all these slanderous you know lies and you know send their troll army after the parents to to harass them, and when you have rights. Um, if if your freedom of speech is starting to infringe on other people's right to live a normal, peaceful life and not be terrorized or doxxed or threatened or, uh, you know, to have random people show up, you know, at, at your place uh, threatening you, then your freedom of speech is is no longer freedom of speech. It's It's inciting violence. It's... Uh, infringing on the rights of someone else. And I think that people need to realize that freedom of speech or freedom, all these types of freedoms don't happen in a vacuum. Um, and I would just look at these people in the comments that are defending, you know, these conspiracy theorists and, and these people that are telling like obvious lies. If the shoe was on the other foot, and it was your children that died in a massacre and people were spreading these malicious, repugnant lies about them and, and terrorizing your family. Would you feel the same way about their freedom of speech? And I know the answer is no. Well, is, is it, <clears throat> thanks for that, John. Um, it brings up so many, um, because fundamentally the bigger story is people saying that social media um, is bringing out the worst in people. I, I've, I've said this before, I don't actually believe that. But what um, what is shocking, even as you get a bit older and you think, why am I shocked? I must be naive. You know, history shows what people, um, groups of people and people in general can do. But you're still shocked because the total lack of common decency and empathy out there is breathtaking. It truly is breathtaking what people will say online and the nonsense they will believe in, like sheep, is so breathtaking. What, what do you think, Spencer? I mean, in the context of your last comment, I think history repeats itself very often, and it's fortunately only because we have technology where a global community can respond that we are avoiding the kind of problems that we've had historically up through the Second World War or Vietnam even. In other words, the history of, of working with propaganda, whether it be a country or a politician or even an individual, is to do outrageous and outlandish things that are effect effectively isolating a victim from the group of people you want to control. This whole thing, from my standpoint, however, brings up what's been part of American law for a long time, which is that we have constitutional rights, but those are oftentimes uh, overtaken or abrogated by some other priority. For example, you have the right to say anything you want, except you can't shout fire in a crowded movie theater. That's pretty standard stuff. I think that what we're seeing with this, and I do agree with Morton's view on this as well, is that the systems that have otherwise been left to people to use or have automated controls in place really need to have a human layer in effect so that if somebody comes in and does something outrageous of this nature, it's effectively like shouting fire in that crowded movie theater and the 
safeguard at a minimum needs to be that particular offensive post needs to be put off to the side, reviewed by human beings, looking at the whole facts and circumstances. And there is a council, a, 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 we have a trial system in America, but like some kind of like a, people can contribute what's their opinion, somebody makes a decision, and then it either goes back or it doesn't. Maybe that would work better than taking the whole site offline. But either way, there's just no way in my mind that we can continue doing things that we're doing, considering what you said, which is people given the tools will figure out how to become trolls and do the most outrageous things possible in order to control as many people as they can, like a mini dictatorship, to their viewpoint. And if it offends or hurts, or in this case, it's really beyond comprehension to an innocent victim and his family, then how could they possibly justify Jack Dorsey or Matt Mullenweg or anybody? How could they possibly justify continuing on with the system that allows that behavior to be amplified? Because the genie's out of the bottle. People are doing it. They've been doing it historically. Now certain people have decided that now I can reach millions of people with this outrageous stuff. So, you know, I don't know if that's answered it properly, but I think we just can't continue with like anybody can say anything they want any time. We have to apply the same common sense we've applied to American jurisprudence for hundreds of years and in just society historically. That's what people fight wars over is when somebody does something outrageous, you stop them through force. Well, you don't have to be forceful, but you can apply the, sorry, this isn't allowed to happen. We're going to put you into the bullpen here to decide this before we let it back out. Yeah, um, before I pass it over to um, Sally and Chris, is the, the other part of this is obviously what happened to Alex Jones, one of the, 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 the main cheerleader of all this, really. And I find myself really torn between two two attitudes I got towards it. Um, there's the attitude that um, I think he's a total disgrace, um, a man of the lowest moral integrity possible, and a man that totally lacks any empathy um, and any common decency, basically, of a level that is breathtaking. And the people that regularly watch and support his rubbish... Um, it's just breathtaking. Um, I really have the deepest, um, I can't put it in words, my contempt to him and his, and his regular supporters. But on the other hand, um, banning him and totally um, private companies, totally banning him um, completely off the internet. I also totally disagree because where does it stop? Who who decides who's going to be banned? You know, um, uh, I, I you know when you go down that road where you just ban people left, right, and centre, um, it's a slippery slope, isn't it? What do you reckon, Sally? Okay, so I I thought maybe I should check on some things reading this, and I went back to look at the actual text of the. Uh, First Amendment of the Constitution, which is um, impressively vague. I mean, you know, no, no wonder there are so many uh, lawyers and, and courts spending so much time in interpreting things. You know, what it actually says is Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to pe- petition the government for a redress of grievances. 
And you can imagine that things have come up very often in the course of history since 1791 when this was adopted to ask whether, you know, X or Y counts as as free speech. And so you have a, you know, basic statement that, you know, you have unprotected and less protected categories of speech, including advocacy of illegal action, fighting words, commercial speech and obscenity and, you know, fighting words being, you know, something that would um, provoke a fight or are, you know, that's one that can be really wildly, uh, widely interpreted, but that's kind of where you get the fire in a, in a, in a theater, uh, you know, or the, you know, it is not protected speech to make death threats against someone or to, to encourage other people to make death threats against them. Um, But, uh, you know, again, you know, the, uh, the Bill of Rights applies to the government. And this is what the, the government's laws say. And as, as Morton says, you know, there are these much clearer universal human rights that, that have been, you know, elaborated, you know, where, where that contain more specific languages that say, you know, your rights stop at the point where they infringe on, on somebody else's rights. Uh, but it does seem that you've got a, you know, you've got a slippery legal slope uh, in the U.S. in terms of what uh, constitutes fair use of something and, uh, you know, or doesn't, uh, but that, you know, Automatic is still a private company that is allowed to have terms of service and say, here, you know, it's just as, you know, anytime you sign up, you know, for any kind of hosting, it says, hey, you know, you're not allowed to use this, you know, use our service to do things that are illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say certainly, even if Automatic had not changed its uh, policy, that if the suit against Alex Jones uh, proved that yes, this is absolutely defamatory, and you know that then uh, you know you would <clears throat> they would have taken that you know particular uh, information off. Uh, so you know, on a on the legally, it's kind of a thicket. You know, morally, it seems clearer to people except that, yes, you know, where do you draw the line? I think that, you know, Morton's, the the universal rights that Morton quotes draw the line in a, a fairly clear way, you know, that that if you have um, unpopular opinions uh, and you believe what you're saying is, is true, uh, you can say that, but you are not required, you know, but you don't necessarily have the, the right to say it in a way that constitutes uh, threats or personal attacks. And uh, if you know that it's false or it can be demonstrated to be false and and you continue to say it, you know, uh, that's not permitted um, either. That So, you know, you have to, uh, uh, having opinions about government actions and having suspicions, I mean, I, you know, I can understand conspiracy theories easily enough because it's very easy to mistrust governments, but then you get, you know, individuals caught up in it uh, and, uh, you know, the terrible things like, you know, having people who are already grieving for the loss of a child, you know, pursued by a bunch of nutters. Uh, and, but it is a, it's a tricky thing to it's a tricky thing to navigate and a lot of people uh, do uh, misunderstand, uh, you know, what's actually 
uh, covered in the, you know, what what's actually in the Constitution, uh, you know, to <coughs> what it, it applies. Uh, and, uh, you know, also I do think the point made in the, the tavern about the fact that, you know, in a, to a great extent, WordPress is a, you know, is a hosting company and not a, a social media platform. Uh, so I think, you know, well, yes, you can say, you know, misusing photos of, of, of minors uh, is, you know, not such a bad thing, but that, you know, there's a reason that they opposed, uh, you know, frivolous uses of, of takedown notices um, just to, you know, because I've seen some of this happening where, where people file, you know, I, I've seen things happening where the person infringing on somebody else's copyright was the one who filed the form to get the original stuff taken down. Uh, and, you know, we were talking a, a, a while ago about how, uh, you know, some of this stuff is, is done in, you know, attacks a, a on, on people to really try to get rid of them. And, and there has to be some kind of, um, you know, protection of that, that you need to anal analyze things um, so, you know, it's, it's very difficult and on any emotional topic, people will respond emotionally and not on the basis of, okay, is this a good thing, uh, you know, or not? Is this something where we don't like it, but we don't have legal grounds to respond to it? And I think... Yeah, I think that's great. I just want to, because I want to go for the break, but I want to bring in Chris to finish off the conversation. I just want to see what your view, Chris, between optimization of processes and when a decision has to be made that uh, a decision or outreach has to be accelerated to the actual owners of the or the higher management. Um, where, you know, do you think automatic you know, have handled this in the best way, really? I think that automation is fine. Uh, if it's if it comes down to, like, a human rights issue, probably not a good idea to have it there. Like, if the drop-down box is, like, you know, physical harm, you know, emotional harm or whatever, that kind of stuff. I would have thought that, that needs the <laughs> interpretation of an educated individual, wouldn't you have thought, really, Chris? Yeah, I mean, automation is great, um, but even there's this whole concept of moderation. It still needs to be moderated to make sure there's no nothing slipping through that shouldn't be slipping through. But but um, all this, I think, comes down to something that Morton's been talking about for a while, which is an underdeveloped ethical system. In this case, there's in tech, and in this case, in the global ecosystem, much how we have for war crimes where it's a very much an international effort of basic human rights. We don't have that for tech. And to go to Spencer's analogy about the movie theater, if Automatic owns the movie theater, like if we take this into the offline world, um, it has the right to kick people out for, you know, yelling fire or firing a gun or punching somebody or hurting somebody. Um, although, although, you know, you can still hold up the right to free speech until it causes harm. However, it, it is a slippery slope because who gets to decide what is fake news, what's propaganda, what's a conspiracy theory, and then who gets to decide when those lines have been crossed? Because this is a very extreme example. If you dial it back, there's some less extreme examples happening around racism, gender, uh, other kinds of emotional pain um, de de defaming people or 
whatever it's called, defamation, ruining somebody's reputation. All this stuff is going on. So it, it, it does draw into question in a less severe case, what are we going to do now? So I'm just left with that question. I don't have an answer. Yeah, I just want to finish, uh, finish it off and then go for the break. Um, the thing about Alex Jones is that he, um, there's been papers filed. He, he went through a very acrimonious and bitter divorce case um, where the custody of, uh, of the children of the marriage was being fought over. And in these cases, they, they really bring out the worst in people. But it also brought an insight into the psyche of Alex Jones because um, his wife says, his ex-wife said, look at his um, persona on air and the things he says. He's obviously unstable. But his lawyers put in that all the stories that he leads with, uh, A, he doesn't really believe in any, in any of this doesn't believe this is coming from the these are statements that he actually signed that he doesn't believe in any any of this it's just her act and they use um analytical data to see which stories are getting the most interest from his listeners and viewers and then they play them up and oh, but goes, we know the onion is fake we know it's fake people don't some people don't realize that about Alex, Alex Jones. And the yeah. people... And he doesn't even believe in this tosh himself. I, I think that marks him out as a really special individual, as somebody of such cynical, cynicalism and moral bankruptcy in my eyes to a level, um, if you're actually deluded but you actually believe something, I actually got a bit more time for you, even 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 if using English slang, you're bonkers, you're totally bonkers. Um, I still have some empathy, but when you're at that level of cynicism, um, I, I, I cannot express the... Um, but it shows a loopback system that um, it's actually... He's, you could kind of make him into the devil, and I probably am, but he isn't. What is truly is, is there something deeply wrong with his listeners and viewers? You know, that's what it's really about. Keep in mind, this story is about people who have been, who have been convinced by Alex Jones and his ilk that this conspiracy is real. So it's not Alex Jones' sites being taken down. It's other people who have watched his shows and everything and then republish. And they're the ones that are so angry because they truly believe that this is real. Um, I just wanted to say one thing before we leave. Yeah. The slippery slope argument is completely bizarre because you could easily argue that we're at the bottom of that slope. And we need to crawl our way back up again. The slippery slope argument that if we start banning content, we are, you know, people can frivolously ban any content. The reality is almost no content gets banned regardless of how absurdly uh, offensive or dangerous it is. And the, the cut line for getting anything banned is so extremely high that it's impossible to reach it. So the slippery slope argument that, you know, if we take away the most dangerous content on the web that actually destroys society, then we are opening the door for nothing to be published is simply false. It's not a valid argument. It's a, it's a talking point designed to stop the conversation before it gets anywhere. 
All right, that's a break. We, we go for a break. All right, we'll be back in a few moments, folks, with some other great news stories. See you in a minute. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's WP Tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back. I've, I thought we had a very civilized and insightful discussion. It could have gone in, and I'm really pleased the way the conversation went in the first half of the show. So we've got some more stories, folks. A bit easier, probably. Um, Go, Daddy. Data breach puts the internet and your sites at risk. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> uh, Spencer, you're I, laughing. I, I, Off you I, go, I, Spencer. I want to protest why you're going to the GoDaddy story instead of the WeDev story because, like, whatever. But oh, you want to, what, you want me to do that one? All right, we do that one. Then, yeah, right? yeah gonna, skip this one. New information has come to light. <laughs> so. So do you want to, right, why do you need to, I mean, for, for, now let's go for it. Why okay, do you it's need fine. To, if we have time for the GoDaddy one, that's fine. But like, I don't think anybody's really surprised about the, you know, oh, gee, GoDaddy security breach. I thought that was like, okay, okay. Oh, yes, oh, really stop, 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 stop. Now we actually have to discuss it. Go yes. read the update to that story. This yeah, is well, literally yes, this not is... a GoDaddy story. This is a story right. about one person exactly. at the exactly. cloud provider and whatever. Exactly. Well, yes, it's like, oh gosh, that's not like a, a you know deliberately provocative uh, headline or or, right. or anything. Uh, and uh, yes, looking at it again, I mean, I read it the 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 first time, and then it says, oh, you know, update. Okay, you know, GoDaddy reached out to me and and said, you know, made some uh, corrections, uh, but uh, just. Just skip to the next story. The whole whole story should never have made the cut. We talked about this one. And this story is, the GoDaddy is a waste of time because it's bad reporting, bad information, everything. I want to talk about the we devs because this is like... Let me tell the listeners the freaking story first. Okay, very good. I thought thought you have the links over there. Like a rock on the leash. I want to get to the beat. Get it out of here. Get the beat. I want it. All right. You like the Chicago characters sometimes? Right. Uh, (laughs) Right. On to the the panel has spoken, folks. Uh, um, Why you need to discontinue using no WordPress plugins on your site? There you go, Spencer. Would you like to start with it, Spencer? I very much would. Okay. If I understand the story, this is written by WeDubs, who's the developer, by a particular author, and I don't know if she's just part of the normal team or she's a freelancer. But this is like, I I don't even want to make the analogy or something, because, but this is is like the conversation we just had for the last 30 minutes or so on the other subject of where somebody can take anything that is fully resolved. I mean, dead and buried and resolved years ago and just bring it up in a shouting fire in a movie theater way. The GPL conversation for WordPress, and we had a couple weeks ago this really nice conversation about how people can make money in today's ecosystem. I'm very clear on my opinion, and I think my opinion is based upon the facts that have been established from Matt Mullenweg all the way down through most of the successful developers. That is, 
when you make WordPress plugins and themes that are open source. The GPL provides that the software itself has to abide by the same terms, which is to say that when you're selling it, you're really selling the things that go along with it. For example, primarily automatic updates, direct support from us. There are certain minor exceptions that occur. For example, in the old days, people, and maybe ThemeForest still does this, would bundle these whole groups of things. So if, for example, I have a pack of photos that are copyrighted or logos, and I sell it with the open source software, that technically there might be an argument that, no, you can't give away, use, or repurpose, or resell the photos. But the open source GPL software itself, this is just like black and white. And what I take offense, even though I'm not like upset about it, I take offense to this article is this is so obviously written by somebody that either wasn't in this community five years ago or six years ago, or is just doing this for the purposes of misinformation and agitation because they're effectively I saying... I think, no, I don't agree. Yeah, I, I, I don't think... Hold on. Hold on. Let me finish, let me finish my thought and I will be quiet. I'm simply saying this. To start saying that nulled plugins are going to be dangerous and filled with spam and maliciousware and malware and all the other things is to me silly because most of the null situation right now comes from situations where somebody, let's say, wants to use an accessory. They use it, they experiment with it, and then they go on, if they like it, many times they will buy the thing. The fact to just say blanket that any null thing is you know, going to be dangerous and bad is not accurate or true. Furthermore, it's not accurately stating the law of GPL or the philosophy from the top down of, of the WordPress community, which is the software is the software. And the things that you get when you buy the software is, is otherwise. And she's just mixing those two things up. Yeah, well, like you made a statement that was, was a little bit unfair towards the writer. Most of the rest of it, I agree with to some extent. Which, which part was it? Because when well, she yeah. started... When she started talking about that it's, I'll go to the part, susceptible to attacks from malware, spyware, and hackers, loss of personal data and information, affects your SEO negatively, criminal offense, development. Well, yeah, well, that, that was the bit. Is, uh, that was the bit. Is, I thought is she BS, but, the plot there. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're we can't get you kids because you're Spencer, using your own plugin for Spencer, WordPress. take a breath. When did you get into WordPress? Huh? When did you get into WordPress? 2006. Okay, so you've probably been around for the days when there were lots of people out there saying, hey, pay us a dollar and we'll give you all these plugins. And they did have spyware or malware or spam or something in them. I think that may be less common now. Uh, and I think it was really overhyped in the article. Uh, but depending on where you get stuff, and I don't know what's out there, this could be true. This is something that happens with with a lot of stuff that's, you know, had traded on the torrents and and so on and, and, and so forth, that people are, are not simply, oh, I want to share something with my friends, but, but they have a, another motive. However, you know, there is a perfectly legitimate use in case where you've got developers who say to one another, hey, I'm thinking about using X plugin on, on a client site. Does anyone have a copy I can test? And, you know, they'll go and test one or two and they, you know, if they decide to use it, they buy a license or the client buys a license, um, but they don't want to pay for it if they're not, if they're not sure they're going to use it. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of silliness. It's, it's not a criminal offense 
But hold on, this, to, this to is sell all, a, this... a GP resell a GPL plugin. It's impolite, but uh, you know, as I've heard many more intelligent developers say, you know, if you're reselling the code with like our branding and our our trademarked uh, information on it, we can pursue the trademark mm -hmm. infringement. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. let's not let's, the code. This is why I'm having problems, and I'm so animated about this one. You know, I sit quietly through a lot of stuff. This one animates me because. I am an attorney and I have been since 1991. And this person is just grabbing, and you're doing it now, Sal. You're just grabbing terms that are not the same thing, like trademark copyright and munging them up with GPL and licensing. They're just. I not was the not. Thing. The trademark okay. is a separate thing let, from the GPL. Let me, let me the just say, let me clarify the trademark copyright thing. Okay, it's really simple. When WooCommerce made the brilliant business move back in the day before it was owned by Automatic and they took Jigo Shop. And Jigo Shop's developers, and they basically said, "Brilliant! I would say the oh, well, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant from the outcome from them. I mean, the Jigo Shop founders. I mean, that sucks. But then again, there's lots of other stories from the good old days back in the 2000s. Okay, this was one in particular that we could see the net result. The conversation at the time was, oh, unfair and boohoo! You forked Jigo Shop and boohoo! You stole our developers by offering them more money. Boohoo! Boohoo! And everybody came out with their pitchforks and their torches and their opinions, and we all discussed it. And it's all there to be read by anybody that's, you know, in their 40s. Yes, and, and they had a perfect right to do that. But the conversation was very clear back then about what's the GPL about and what's trademark and what's copyright. And they're three unique things. Here, this article munges them together improperly, also munges together things like criminality and like viruses and malware in today's world. Of course, if you go on the torrent boards where you're finding like illegal movies and stuff, maybe that's not a great place to get a null plugin. But if you speak, and again, Chris can speak to this personally, I had a business of making software. If you speak to a software developer today in the WordPress ecosystem, I think they've accepted that their software is subject to somebody copying and giving it away and doing all those other naughty things. But what they encourage people to do is to come to them as the source for a trusted relationship for whatever. Could be the upsells of accessories, could be the support, could be the other things. <clears throat> but just the mere fact of somebody having the software and using it without paying is none of the things that they said in the article. And that's what I take offense with. It's just, you can't just change the wording of the law to suit your needs because you don't like the fact that people are using your software. It's just not what open source is about. In fact, just yesterday, I was looking for it. I love Gravity Forms. I love Rocket Genius. I love Carl and all the things he's been doing. They're like the granddaddy of one of the plugin developers. There's a, on GitHub, there is an actual fork of, of, of the actual main plugin, right? It's a paid plugin. It's on there. It's been updated by hundreds of people. It's just there for the convenience of whoever wants to use it. That's what GPL is supposed to be. That's what it is. And there's no other conversation that would remediate somebody publishing on their blog falsehoods. And I don't care because, like, listen, I have no personal interest in the outcome of what WeDubs does. I mean, they're good authors. I've used a few of their plugins, but I don't care. It's just I hate when somebody publishes something into this GPL thing that brings out all the skeletons from the closet from six and eight years ago and tries well, yeah, to... Well, you, yeah, but you've got a few skeletons around this subject. So there we go. Uh, um, so, Chris, uh, um, what do you think? Uh, when I was in my early 20s... Um, I lived in Nepal in, in Asia and I was uh, I was walking around Kathmandu 
And I, I would buy all this fake North, North Face gear. It was totally fake. It was full of chicken feathers. But it was great. It kept me warm. But I knew uh, that this was not the real deal. And I would not have trusted that if I was doing any real high alpine mountaineering. And I think the same is true with software. Um, I've seen people take our paid products and redistribute them or sell like sell them from websites you can't that are outside of the United States. And the reality is it doesn't really impact the business. It just happens. And I know talking to people that just in general, they're not, they don't trust that stuff. They would never trust that. And they value support. They value updates, but especially the support. And most, I would say 99% of people, um, they just wouldn't take the risk of, you know, even though like maybe some of these plugins are fine and don't have malicious code or whatever, but most people just aren't willing to take that risk. Well, if you're sensible and you're running a, uh, if you propose to run an online business, you would, but look, we've I understand I, 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 found out that most people are sensible, aren't we? I, I, would um, like to, I would like to be rude and I, I don't want to interfere with Martin's ability to answer, but I want to add one thing to what Chris just said, because the reciprocal is true. There have been several instances as a reasonable person, and I approached these developers as a person. I said, look, I train all these different people and use it for clients. You have a very unique plugin that supposedly does this little quirky thing, and I can't get to it to see if it works without paying for it. So I'm, I'm going to buy it if it does this stuff. I buy it. I think sometimes it's significantly overpriced. It completely is different than everything they promoted and said and showed about it. And then I just respond with a Remember when I wrote you in advance and said, like, I'm this guy that has this audience who wants to try this? And, and, and then I have to fight them on PayPal if I feel it's even worth it because it's like so opposite of what they said it would do. So the reciprocal is true, too. I think it's complete nonsense because in normal consumer law, you have the right. If, if a product is completely different than it's marketed and advertised for, you have an absolute right to a refund. And that's law in almost every jurisdiction. Here, it's like some dude can just put up a thing that's completely opposite, get a hundred bucks, and then you have to fight it out with your credit card or PayPal. That's one of the things that GPL helps to avoid because if I can get an old copy, even if it, to Chris's point, I'm not going to ultimately use this, at least I can resolve in my head that it solves the problem. And then I'm happy, in fact, thrilled to go support the author of this because like high five, you just saved me all this trouble. Uh, Jack Arturo, by the way, is one of those kinds of guys over at WP Fusion. It's like, his thing was hiding in a shadow somewhere. And he was the kind of guy I talked to on the phone. He's like, here, take the plug and try it. I'm like, holy cow. And next thing you know, revolutionary. So that's what this bothers me about is that it's destructive to the ecosystem of, Wukong, of uh, GPL and WordPress plugins when people make these false arguments to be fearful of things that they otherwise could use to help them make good decisions. And I think that the people who sell this coming into the ecosystem now should not be thinking like the WeDev's position is correct. Like I'm going to write good plugins. I shouldn't feel like the, the software is what I'm selling. I'm selling well, the entire thing. I, I do agree with you. That article, we, you know, I'm going to throw it. Uh, the poor old Jake, I forgot to mention his plugin. But uh, Jake, you're going to get two plugins next Wednesday. I'll make sure it's pushed hard. Um, but um, yeah, the only thing about, before I throw it over to the reasonable voice of Morton <laughs> to end this conversation is, um, is, yeah, I do agree. There's been some things in, in your stance here, Spence, that I think you've jumped the shark 
basically. But there we go. But when she uh, um, when she uh, went on about conspiracy and cr- you know you, you well, I'll give it a break there for God's sake. You know what do you reckon, Morton? So let me give you uh, tell you an interesting story that I cannot get to the bottom of because of GPL reasons, which is very frustrating. So I, you know, I teach things on LinkedIn is it, Learning. Is this not the old gremlin story? No, no, no. This is about fairy. So I, I teach I teach people how to use WordPress on LinkedIn Learning. So people from all over the world watch courses, watch my courses. And I recently made an update to WordPress Essential Training, which is a very, very popular course, uh, where I added some movies at the top about uh, Gutenberg and how to, how to start testing it while we wait for Gutenberg to come out so I can update the actual course. And then I got some, we get feedback all the time right, from people watching courses that are asking questions or mainly just saying, you know, oh, this is cool, or I understood what he said, or, you know, he needs to talk slower or whatever. And someone sent in a thing that said, I'm very frustrated with this course because he says that I can install the Gutenberg plugin for free, but when I try, I'm charged $17. Welcome to the WordPress ecosystem. This is what happens in the real world. This is like a part of this conversation that we're not touching on because we don't see it ever because the people who experience that kind of situation actually never interface with the WordPress community. That's why they don't know that this is completely bizarre, right? So what happens in the real world is people are trying to commodify open source software in any way they can and turn it into products that can be sold. And one of the ways they do that is they um, have their clients or they host their clients and then they charge money for either the installation of or access to plugins and themes and whatever, right? And uh, at the same time, big hosts are now doing a similar thing in that they are, when you buy hosting, you automatically get access to some plugins, but you're getting like a, um, a, a bundle of plugins that's put into your hosting plan, but it's not something that you have a license to. It's licensed through that host. And you don't really know if that is their last version of the thing because they've changed the functionality of it. And if you come at this from a capitalist uh, standard uh, commodities market viewpoint, it looks completely crazy because it doesn't make any sense to how we normally do things, right? I can't go and buy a handbag from, I don't know, course or fnob or whatever the fancy handbag shop number two on the mall right and then just pick it apart buy some leather make the exact same thing put the same logo on it and go and sell it because then i run into all sorts of problems more interestingly i can't do that even if i don't put the logo on it because i'm still stealing the design and everything in wordpress that or in open source that's not the case spencer can correct me if i'm wrong here but i think i'm right that's right it's very unusual right the designs of the software are under GPL. The only thing you have control over is your trademark. So as long as a trademark is removed, then the person reselling it or redistributing it isn't actively saying, I am Morton. Right. <laughs> right? Then I'm actually in the right to do that. Until the open source community and the community writ large understands the difference between a a capital market and an open source market, this will continue to happen. Like people will continue trying to force open source into this bucket it does not belong in and then make um, declarative, prerogative statements based on the assumption that we are in the same market space. We're not. This is literal socialism in the most, def- most clearly defined methodology of 
to each what they can use for from each what they can contribute or whatever. This is literally, I write software and release it. I can try to charge money for it, but I'm really just saying selling air. So anyone can take it and do whatever the hell they want with it. It literally says so in my thing. Right. And these articles keep popping up. It's just a scare tactic to get people to think they have to pay for things they don't. It usually ends up propping up the people who charge $17 to install the Gutenberg plugin in a WordPress site. So while they think they're doing something good to preserve the market space inside the WordPress community, what they're really doing is supporting people who have true malicious intent and are actually doing something wrong. Yeah, just to finish off, uh, um, is that I I don't actually think this is totally... um, um, totally specific to the WordPress. I was listening to a discussion about um, app development in uh, for Macintosh, you know, for the OS, the mobile OS, and the App Store, and loads of developers are finding it very difficult to make a living. So um, they're gone. Um, they're gone, and how Apple. Um, have set up this market and a lot of them are going to subscription only model blend. Um, Music but, industry, Napster, this is the same yeah, thing. It's, it's the same thing. Yeah, but, but the truth that's, is, what, that's what evolution is because at a certain point in time, the novelty of it wears off. In this case, I, I like Morton's one point, which I want to add. Sorry, I'm really monopolizing this particular topic, but the one point I want to add is my prediction is that the ecosystem for commercial plugins will resolve this in favor of the fact that there will be all bundled together services. For example, hosting companies will provide all the bundles of premium and otherwise free WordPress plugins as part of the deal for being a client. Why? Because they can. Why? Because even if they aren't the original authors, the original authors have no choice but to accede to, yes, that is my plugin and you're not saying I'm selling it or I'm supporting it and I'm not on the hook for it but you have these commodity items growing like daisies on the side of the road. And that's the only way for people in this ecosystem to start making money, like in a hosting environment, will be to bundle things together. Because if they're saying we're the best host... Yeah, I really, I see where you're coming from, but I just want to, I'm not totally enamored with that, even though I'm, I'm in that area to some extent with a hybrid that I'm trying to develop. Um, the reason why I'm not totally enamored with that is that if you're in with, you know, if you're in with a small, um, if you're like Chris and you're in with a, a small person that's providing hosting of that, it's an equal relationship. If you're totally in now, let's say, with GoDaddy, on the short term, it seems attractive. But in the long term, you know, they because they, you know, they, they, you're getting 50% of your revenue from one, one um, provider. That in the end, they own you. So that's a bit of a dicey path to but go. That's just reality. Just like if you look at Jet, I mean, well, you want to go down the path. You look at Jetpack uh, and you say, Jetpack is the only <laughs> plugin that I can think of. And Martin probably is my, my arbiter on this. Is the only Jetpack I know of that is do as we say, not as we do. Because I think if any independent author tried to do what Jetpack does with the, it's in there, no matter where you try to get rid of it, it phones home, it locks you out, it does upsells. Like anybody else who did that, that plugin is not going to be in the repository. But everybody else has to deal with the realities of what can I do to sell my thing that I know I can't really own? It's socialistic. And the only thing that's proven itself to work, and we have so many great examples of it, and Chris is one of them, 
is if you put out a plugin and people know who you are, they think you're doing a great thing. You have really flexible policies about, hey, don't abuse me, but if you really need to know if this thing works, I'll help you out somehow. They will reward you with their loyalty for the service support automatic updates. And it's proven to make some businesses six and seven figures and more. Saeed's business is not making money because they're bad guys. They're making money because it's a plugin that solves a problem, but they're still open source. Okay, so that's my point. My point is you can't change capitalism when it's mixed with socialism. Those two things will mix or not mix as they are. And it's proving itself out that people who have things like hosting, where the value is dropping to zero, have to sell something else. Bundling premium plugins together, whether in a joint venture with the authors or whether just doing it because they're open source and being very clear, hey, this is not the author. This is us, but it's the, the real deal plugin because we pay You me defend people that I never thought I'd defend. It's like you keep coming in back this statement that hosting's going down the bottom. I tell you, hosting's not bloody insurance. You hosting's only, like only realise the value of hosting. I know there's loads of people who say you can bun it on Amazon and put it there and there. But uh, we get brought in because you try... It's commoditized now. You try I mean, content somebody in Amazon to sort out your technical issue, or you're going to have to go and hire a really experienced Linux right. administrator, and they're not cheap, even offshore. Uh, um, I've heard all this before, Spencer. So no, but we, I, but I agree. agree. You're, paying, you're paying for the service. You're not paying for the hosting. My point is... Cloud hosting is cloud hosting is cloud hosting is cloud hosting. It's coming from like the same servers mm -hmm. everywhere. You're paying for the people in the relationship who are doing what you're saying, which is you're going to pay me or you're going to hire some person. Why not just pay me? That's what I'm saying about the plugins. You're getting the code that does something amazing. You're going to pay for the relationship with the original author so they keep making great stuff and giving you answers or you're not. But you don't think like for a second that Google cloud hosting is better over on WP engines or thing or whoever is using it versus this one's. It's just not true. You're paying for the people to support the relationship. And that's just what all of this ends up being like every newfangled thing commoditizes down and then no longer can be charged for it. So when I'm getting text messaging on Verizon, they're not charging me a dollar. Well, just the, I totally agree with you. An example is Chris here. You know, or any uh, successful WordPress premier plugin, you know, he wants to build a successful business. And it's in your best interest, if, you, if you're utilising his plugin, that he has a successful business because he's not doing it for the love of it. He's doing it to put food on the table for his children and his wife and his partner. And it will continue the plugin uh, development and everything else. So... Um, so the key then is for all people who want to get into the business of WordPress to first figure out the revenue model that you right. want to pursue and realizing that selling software the way that you can do with everything else does not work as a revenue model. I keep right. talking to people who work outside the WordPress space right. and what they're all looking for is a way of basically making passive income. You build right. something once, you sell it a million times. Like that's why everyone is selling their blogs as eBooks now. Don't ever buy that shit. <laughs> but the I'm publishing that, one next week. <laughs> that does not work in an open source model. Uh, yeah, it's so not. It's not 1995 anymore. Like, like a license. We should get. Oh, right. I mean, look, all the commercials figured out that you can't sell software. That you have to <laughs> sell. You know, right. the updates and the and the support and the and the service. 
You know, that's why they all switched over to subscriptions. All right, we've had this conversation. Yeah. It's gone a bit longer. We could uh, we could do it another time. Oh, been. A, I, I think we've had a great discussion um, this week. Actually, I think we've covered some really great stuff, important stuff. If you're the listener viewer, please contact me through the um, the website, Facebook. Give us your comments, how you felt the discussion go, hearing from you, whatever you want to say is always great. Um, I'm going to let the panel, um, John had to leave us. Um, he was um, filling in a, a no, I'm not going to go down. Uh, um, so Chris, um, how can people find out more about you, your great plugin and your podcast? You can find me at lifterlms.com and my podcast is, is LMScast. And if you want to look for a specific episode related to this show, I had a great interview with Syed Balki, so that's a, a great one to look up if you'd like to take the podcast for a test drive. You're going to give me an intro to him so I can interview Sure. Is All that right, podcast you. available as an ebook I can purchase? <laughs> no, but it's free on iTunes, free on YouTube, and free on the website. Hey, no, <laughs> no, it must saying. be a purchasable ebook. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I keep the, the other can thing. I share it with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Without criminal prosecution. All right. All right. The other thing is the problem is plugging because really, here's a plugging what Chris is offering, but really, it's a whole platform, it's a whole solution to a problem. It's more than a plug-in, really, isn't it, Chris? And, and, um, wait, I, um, I want to just add, Chris's plug-in does one thing amazingly well versus its competitor. They have a free version that has like 90% of the value up front, and then you decide you love them to death and you buy the add-ons. That's the way it should work. I'm not saying it can always work, but I'm saying that really makes an effective sales tool. Their competitor, you have to just pay and then maybe you get a refund or something. I don't know what their policy is, but I love the fact that... Um, to be fair it. to the um, other company, you're talking about LearnDash. I, know I didn't John. say it, you said No, but you're talking about Justin. Justin, to my, <laughs> uh, my business experience, I love Chris. I, I'm committed to some extent to Chris, um, but I also know Justin. He seems a pretty fair guy, and if you... If you pointed out some things, I'm reasonably sure you'd get a refund. I can't swear to it. Um, but you struck me as a reasonably honest, decent person, really, Spencer. So there we go. I, I, I have no, I have not, I'm not saying anything. I like his plugin. We have a lot of customers. I'm simply saying the model is different. One is free to fall in love with me. The other is pay me and then. If it doesn't work yeah, out, I know where you're coming from. I had to clarify. In fairness, I had to clarify that because you know I'm a I classify myself as a personal friend of Chris, um, but I'm not a personal friend of Justin. I only met him a couple of times, but I had to clarify that because I think you were, you know, right, uh, Bolton, Bolton. Uh, how do people find out about you? You can purchase an ebook of this entire <laughs> conversation. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can find me on uh, mastodon.social slash at Morton, because that's my name. I'm also on LinkedIn and uh, LinkedIn Learning. And uh, if Twitter survives the next week, I might also be there. Who knows? <laughs> Yeah. Well, how can people find out more about you, Spencer? What you are up to? You can you can find me and all of my opinions, if you care, at wplaunchify.com or help at wplaunchify.com. And I just want to say, I am completely, completely agnostic. I don't have any favorites on plugins or themes or anything. What I do have a, a preference for 
is I have zero bullshit meter. So nobody I criticize today are the ones you mentioned, like Justin. He's perfectly cool, and I love his plug-in and product. I'm simply saying, if you say something out and it's BS, it's fair game for calling it out. I just love it, Spencer. That's why I asked you to come on the show, and I think you contributed an enormous amount so far, and you'll always be welcome. All right, um, Sally, um, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? You can find me at WPFangirl.com uh, and uh, you can find the East Bay WordPress meetup at EastBayWP.com. Uh, I am at Sally Getch on Twitter and if you can spell my name, you can find me. I am unique in Google. And I That's appreciate good. the fact that Spencer is willing to call a spade a bloody shovel. There you go. Um, Leamington Spa. All right. Um, we're going to end the show now, folks. Um, we'll be back next Friday at 8.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Like I say, you can watch the show live on the WP Tonic Facebook page. Please leave your comments on the website, on the Facebook page. I love feedback. And if you really want to support the show, give us a review on iTunes. It really does help the show. We'll be back next week, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.